Chapter Thirty Three of the Girl in the Golden Atom by Ray Cummings. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Rescue of Lotto. The very young man heard the clang of the closing door with sinking heart. The two newcomers, passing close to him and Aura, as they stood shrinking against the wall, joined their friends at the table. The very young man turned to Aura with a solemn face. "'Are there any other doors?' he asked. The girl pointed. "'One other, there, but see, it too is closed.' Far across the room the very young man could make out a heavy metal door similar to that through which they had entered. It was closed. He could see that plainly. And to open it, so huge a door that its great golden handle hung nearly a hundred feet above them, was an utter impossibility. The very young man looked at the windows. There were four of them, all on one side of the room. Enormous curtained apertures, two hundred feet in length and half as broad, but none came even within fifty feet of the floor. The very young man realized with dismay that there was apparently no way of escape out of the room. We can't get out, Aura, he said, and in spite of him his voice trembled. There's no way. The girl had no answer, but a quiet nod of agreement. Her face was serious, but there was on it no sign of panic. The very young man hesitated a moment, then he started off down the room, towards one of the doors, with Aura close at his side. They could not get out in their present size, he knew, nor would they dare make themselves sufficiently large to open the door or climb through one of the windows, even if the room had been nearer the ground than it actually was. Long before they could escape, they would be discovered and seized. The very young man tried to think it out clearly. He knew, except for a possible accident, or a miscalculation on his part, that they were in no real danger. But he did not want to make a false move, and now, for the first time, he realized his responsibility to Aura, and began to regret the rashness of his undertaking. They could wait, of course, until the conference was over, and then slip out unnoticed. But the very young man felt that the chances of their rescuing Lotto were greater now than they would be probably at any time in the future. They must get out now, he was convinced of that. But how? They were at the door in a moment more. Standing so close it seemed, now, a tremendous shaggy walling of shining metal. They walked its length, and then suddenly the very young man had an idea. He threw himself face down upon the floor. Underneath the door's lower edge there was a tiny crack. To one of normal Oroid size it would have been unnoticeable, a space hardly so great as the thickness of a thin sheet of paper. But the very young man could see it plainly. He gauged its size by slipping the edge of his robe into it. This crack was formed by the bottom of the door and the level surface of the floor. There was no sill. The door was perfectly hung, 
for the crack seemed to be of uniform size. The very young man showed it to Aura. "'There's the way out,' he whispered. "'Through there, and then large again on the other side.' He made his calculation of size carefully, and then, crushing one of the pills into powder, divided a portion of it between himself and the girl. Aura seemed tired, and the drug made her very dizzy. They both sat upon the stone floor, close up to the door, and closed their eyes, when, by the feeling of the floor beneath them, they knew the action of the drug was over, they stood up unsteadily and looked around them. They now found themselves standing upon a great stone plain. The ground beneath their feet was rough, but as far away as they could see, out up to the horizon, it was mathematically level. This great expanse was empty except in one place. Over to the right there appeared a huge, irregular, blurred mass that might have been, by its looks, a range of mountains. But the mass moved as they stared at it, and the very young man knew it was the nearest one of Targo's men, sitting beside the table. In the opposite direction, perhaps a hundred yards away from where they were standing, they could see the bottom of the door. It hung in the air some fifty feet above the surface of the ground. They walked over and stood underneath, like a great roof it spread over them, a flat, level surface, parallel with the floor beneath. At this extraordinary change in their surroundings, Aura seemed frightened. But seeing the matter-of-fact way in which her companion acted, she maintained her composure, and soon was much interested in this new aspect of things. The very young man took a last careful look around, and then, holding Aura by the hand, started to cross under the door, in a direction he judged to be at right angles to its length. They walked swiftly, trying to keep their sense of direction, but having no means of knowing whether they were doing so or not. For perhaps ten minutes they walked, then they emerged on the other side of the door, and again faced a great, level, empty expanse. "'We're under,' the very young man remarked with relief. "'Do you know where Lotto is from here?' Aura had recovered her self-possession sufficiently to smile. "'I might, perhaps,' she answered, with a pretty little shrug. "'But it's a long way, don't you think?' A hundred miles, it may be. "'We get large here,' said the very young man, with an answering smile. He was greatly relieved to be outside the audience room. The way seemed easy before them now. They took the opposite drug, and after several successive changes of size, succeeded in locating the upper room in the palace in which Lotto was held. At this time... They were about the same relative size to their enemies as when they entered the audience chamber on the floor below. "'That must be it,' the very young man whispered, as they cautiously turned a hallway corner. A short distance beyond, in front of a closed door, sat two guards. "'This is the room of which they spoke,' Aura answered. "'Only one door there is, I think.' "'That's all right,' said the very young man confidently. "'We'll do the same thing. Go under the door.' They went up close to the guards, who were sitting upon the floor, 
playing some sort of game with little golden balls. This door, like the other, had a space beneath it, rather wider than the other, and in ten minutes more the very young man and Aura were beneath it and inside the room. As they grew larger again, the very young man at first thought the room was empty. "'There he is!' cried Aura happily. The very young man looked and could see across the still huge room the figure of Lotto standing at a window opening. "'Don't let him see us till we're his size,' cautioned the very young man. "'It might frighten him, and if he made any noise—' He looked at the door behind them significantly. Aura nodded eagerly. Her face was radiant. Steadily larger they grew. Lotto did not turn round, but stood quiet, looking out the window. They crept up close behind him, and when they were normal size, Aura whispered his name softly. The boy turned in surprise, and she faced him with a warning finger on her lips. He gave a low, happy little cry, and in another instant was in her arms, sobbing as she held him close to her breast. The very young man's eyes grew moist as he watched them, and heard the soft Oroid words of endearment they whispered to each other. He put his arms around them, too, and all at once felt very big and very strong besides these two delicate, graceful little creatures of whom he was protector. A noise in the hallway outside brought the very young man to himself. "'We must get out,' he said swiftly. "'There's no time to lose.' He went to the window. It faced the city, fifty feet or more above the ground. The very young man made a quick decision. "'If we go out the way we came in, it will take a very long time,' he explained. "'And we might be seen. I think we'd better take the quick way. Get big here. Get right out.' He waved his hands toward the roof, and make a run for it, back to Arite. He made another calculation. The room in which they were was on the top floor of the palace. Aura had told him that. It was a room, about fifty feet in length, triangular in shape, and some thirty feet from floor to ceiling. The very young man estimated that when they had grown large enough to fill the room, they could burst through the palace roof and leap to the ground. Then, in a short time, they could run over the country, back to Arite. He measured out the drug carefully, and without hesitation, his companions took what he gave them. As they all three started growing, it was Lotto's first experience, and he gave an exclamation of fright at the sensation and threw his arms around Aura again, the very young man made them sit upon the floor near the center of the room. He sat himself beside them, staring up at the ceiling that was steadily folding up and coming down towards them. For some time he stared, fascinated by its ceaseless movement. Then suddenly he realized with a start that it was almost down upon them. He put up his hand and touched it, and a thrill of fear ran over him. He looked around. Beside him sat Aura and Lotto, huddled close together. The walls of the room had nearly closed in upon them now. Its few pieces of furniture 
had been pushed aside, unnoticed, by the growth of their enormous bodies. It was as though they were crouching in a triangular box, almost entirely filling it. The very young man laid his hand on Aura's arm, and she met his anxious glance with her fearless, trusting smile. "'We'll have to break through the roof now,' whispered the very young man, and the girl answered calmly, "'What you say to do, we will do.' Their heads were bent down now by the ever-lowering ceiling. The very young man pressed his shoulder against it and heaved upwards. He could feel the floor under him quiver and the roof give beneath his thrust, but he did not break through. In sudden horror he wondered if he could. If he did not, soon they would be crushed to death by their own growth within the room. The very young man knew there was still time to take the other drug. He shoved again, but with the same result. Their bodies were bent double now. The ceiling was pressing close upon them. The walls of the room were at their elbow. The very young man crooked his arm through the little square orifice window that he found at his side, and with a signal to his companions, all three in unison, heaved upwards with all their strength. There came one agonizing instant of resistance, then, with a wrenching of wood, the clatter of falling stones, and a sudden crash, they burst through and straightened upright into the open air above. The very young man sat still for a moment, breathing hard. Overhead stretched the canopy of stars. Around lay the city, shrunken now, and still steadily diminishing. Then he got unsteadily upon his feet, pulling his companions up with him, and shaking the bits of stone and broken wood from him, as he did so. In a moment more, the palace roof was down to their knees, and they stepped out of the room. They heard a cry from below, and saw the two guards, standing amidst the debris, looking up at them through the torn roof in fright and astonishment. There came other shouts from within the palace now, and the sound of the hurrying of many little feet. For some minutes more, they grew larger as they stood upon the palace roof, clinging to one another and listening to the spreading cries of excitement within the building and in the city streets below them. "'Come on,' said the very young man finally, and he jumped off the roof into the street. A group of little figures scattered as he landed, and he narrowly escaped treading upon them. So large had they grown that it was hardly more than a step down from the roof. Aura and Lotto were by the very young man's side in a moment, and immediately they started off, picking their way single file out of the city. For a short time longer they continued growing. When they had stopped, the city houses stood hardly above their ankles. It was difficult walking, for the street was narrow, and the frightened people in it were often unable to avoid their tread, but fortunately the palace stood near the edge of the city, and soon they were past its last houses and out into the open country. "'Well, we did it,' said the very young man, exulting. Then he patted Lotto affectionately upon the shoulder, adding, "'Well, little brother, 
We got you back, didn't we? Aura stopped suddenly. Look there at A-Right, she said, pointing up at the horizon ahead of them. Far in the distance, at the edge of the lake, and beside a dim smudge he knew to be the houses of A-Right, the very young man saw the giant figure of a man, huge as himself, towering up against the background of sky. End of chapter 33